0: to catch up. Hallelujah. She's a one-man band up there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. 2nd Timothy verse chapter 1 verses 1 through 7. For God hath not given 1 through 7. We'll start with verse 1. That's okay. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. There you go, the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. You don't have life in you unless he allows it. Amen. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. He was his spiritual son. Paul was mentoring him, and so he's writing him this letter. We know that Paul was writing, and the only time Paul could write letters was when he was in prison, because he was too busy outside of prison. So he had time in prison, and so he's he's mentoring all these young men, and Timothy in particular, and so he's writing him these letters, knowing that he might not get to see him again. And so he's writing this letter to encourage Timothy to carry on. And so he says, I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers... Talking about his Jewish background, his Jewish upbringing. Amen. With, with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Isn't that that awesome to know somebody's praying for you? Night and day. Somebody like Paul. Amen. We're just, we're like Paul. Amen. We were delivered out of our old mindsets and into the, into God's perfect will. And so we, you know, I just want, I want God to give me somebody to pray for. Amen. I thank God whom I serve. Okay, there we go. Greatly. Go go ahead to the next one. Greatly desiring to see thee. Man, I wish I could get out of this prison. Come see you. (laughs) You know how Paul got into prison, right? Obeying the will of God. Hallelujah. Being mindful of thy tears. He was missing Paul too. It was a mutual thing that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. It's it's a heritage. It's not automatic. It's, you don't, it doesn't come through the blood or through the, the genes, but it's something that's passed on. From generation to generation to generation. And that's what happened with Timothy. But ultimately, he had to make his own decision. He had to choose, not just because mother and grandmother did so, but he had to make his own decision. I'm going to follow Jesus. Right? So, wherefore, I put in thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. This is what we're talking about this month. The gift of God. Paul is reminding him to stir up that gift of God, which is in thee, in the by the putting on of my hands. Next verse: For God hath not given us a spirit of fear; He hasn't. He's He's given us a spirit, but He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so we're going to continue talking. We, you know, there was there's four things that we three things that we've Two things that we've talked about. We're going to talk about four. The first thing we talked about was that spirit of fear. But really what we kind of got into first was, you know, the question, well, what's the gift of God that you're talking about, brother Demuth? And what did we decide? What did we determine by in scripture that that gift was? Anybody? God's grace. God's grace. Right? How do we know that? Let's go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. We're talking about the gift of God. Amen. Every one of us has this gift. Every one of us that's received his salvation and and received his spirit, we have this same gift that Paul's talking about that he's telling Timothy to stir it up. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation or the administration, if you will, of the grace of God, what is what is it when you administer something, if, if you're a medical person, you're you're giving somebody a shot or you're giving them some medication, right? And so God through using Paul. Talking to the Gentiles, he administered his grace to them. How did he do that? How did we receive his grace? We received his grace one day when we repented of our sins, were baptized in Jesus' name. He he administered his grace to us, his empowerment in our life to do the things that we cannot do ourselves. Because, like I heard one preacher say, God's not going to ask you to do something you can do physically, humanly. Because then who's going to get the glory for that? You will. He's going to ask you to do stuff that you're going to say, "That's impossible. I that, that can't be done." And that's when He says, "I know." <laughs> that's why I'm asking you to do it. Because what do we invented? ultimately what we're doing is trusting God. We're letting His power, His grace, His empowerment through us work in us, and so. It says the dispensation of grace of God, which is given me to you, word, verse three. So I'm just kind of rehashing here a little bit how that by revelation many in here's received revelation. Amen. I, the day that I I was reading my Bible one day, I was in Okinawa, I was sitting in my quarters, and I was and I had heard this thing about baptism in Jesus' name, but I really didn't understand it. But I was reading one day, and it just Bam! it just came to me. It just jumped off that page of that Bible at me. It's like, wow, I have to be baptized in Jesus' name. I can't just be baptized any old way. It just like the light came on. That was revelation. Right? And so Paul received it by revelation, known unto me the mystery, as I write afore in a few words. So the mystery of, of that whole concept was revealed to me and it's revealed to us. Each one of us had to come to that place of revelation, that aha moment where we went, man, I gotta be baptized. Man, I gotta receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Right? Titus 2.11 says, for, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That grace, that, that empowerment that he that he provided, that he administered, that dispensation, that he, the thing that he dispensed to us is his grace. So Israel was delivered out of bondage by God's grace, right? And it was according to God's plan. Not Israel didn't have a plan. Their plan was they were just going to continue on being in bondage. They were crying out to God for 400 years, but they had no plan, so God sent a man with a plan. Whose plan was it? God's plan. And so we today are like Israel. We are in bondage. We were in bondage. Maybe some of us are in bondage. I don't know. I don't know who's listening. Maybe you're in bondage and you don't even know you're in bondage. And we need deliverance. We needed deliverance. And so where did how did our deliverance come? By the hand of God. Once we received his deliverance, his way, his plan, right, his precept, we received his power, his grace. So it's not us that do it, is it? We just depend on him to just operate through us, right? Philippians 2.13 said, for it is God which worketh. That word there, we, we talked about that word meaning operative, is operative. That word worketh is, so for if, For it is God which is made operative in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I work at his pleasure, right? I don't get to have a say. I mean, I do, I guess. You know, Abraham talked to God and maybe, I think, maybe talked to God out of a couple of things, right? God, you know, they're going to talk really bad about you if you do that. Cause you just delivered them and now you're, or whoever, Moses then, now you're gonna destroy them after you delivered them? Okay. I'll just let them wander for 40 years. Right? And so God's grace, it, it works enough to willing to do of His good pleasure. His, it's His purpose, His will, His plan. And we're gonna get to, we're gonna get to the third thing here in a minute. So a good definition of grace that, this is the one that I like. It's the empowerment of God that enables me to do what I cannot do myself. is that a good definition? And that's really what Philippians 2.13 says. For it's God that worketh in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We're just vessels. What do you want me to say, God? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Didn't he tell the disciples that? When Paul wanted to go one place, God said, no, 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 you're not going there. You're going over here. Oh, okay. Paul didn't argue with him. He just, okay, he went. You go where God tells you. You do what God tells you to do. Didn't Jesus say that throughout his whole adult ministry? What did he say over and over again? The things that I do, the things that I say, it's not me doing it. It's my father. He's telling me what to say. He's telling me what to do. He was—he was sort of like teaching them a lesson without coming right out and saying it. So you got to kind of read between the lines, almost, right? And so we're going to get into talking about that third thing there. He said in in Second Timothy one seven, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of fear—fearlessness, right? If you have a spirit of fear, it's that says right there it's not from God, right? So there's only one other place, two maybe, yourself or the devil. Amen? Not, not giving us a spirit of fear, but of power. We talked about that power, that grace, that empowerment in us to do what we can't do ourselves. And so it goes on to say, and, and love. He gave us a spirit. It doesn't say a spirit of love, but it's implied. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. In a spirit of love. So we're going to talk about that spirit of love today. Amen? So that word love there in the in the Bible is the word agape. And that word agape, in the Complete Word Study Bible Dictionary, it says this. Love, affectionate regard, goodwill, benevolence. With reference to God's love, it's God's willful direction toward man. It involves God doing what he knows is best. For man, and not necessarily what man desires. Wow. It almost sounds like a parent. This is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you. Or you need this. You need this discipline. You need this. And I don't like divvying it out, but you need this. And you'll thank me for this someday. I've said those words. (laughs) Mine are grown, but words to those effect. We we do that, and so as a parent, we understand what that means. And so that's what God is saying when He said He first loved us. He, you know, we sing that song. He looked beyond our faults, oh which were many, and saw our need, right? And so that word agape, it says, for example, in John three sixteen, it says, for God so loved the world that He gave. What did He give? Not what man wanted, but what God knew man needed, i.e. his son, to bring forgiveness to man. I recently heard one preacher say if we would have been living in the day when they crucified Jesus, we would have done whatever we could to stop that from happening. Because that was cruel and inhumane and unusual punishment. And they tried it in that day, didn't they? When Jesus said that to Peter, what did he say? No, 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 no. And, and what did Jesus turn around and say to him? Get the behind me, Satan. You're of the devil. That, that, that line is of the devil. You don't understand, Peter, what you're saying. You don't understand what I have to do. Because Jesus himself went to the mountain. And what did he say? He said, Father, if, if it be possible, even in his flesh, he tried to get out of it. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done. Amen? The Pocket Dictionary of Ethics says that agape is a transliteration of a Greek word commonly translated into English as love. Agape is an ethical concern reflects its Hebrew cognate hesed in that it represents the self-denying value of loving kindness as reflected in God's love for creation. What was the key word in that sentence I just read? Self-denying. Right? That's what it's all about. Agape is sometimes distinguished from related Greek terms, eros and Filio, which are also often translated into English as love, but do not carry the idea of self-giving entailed in agape. What did God say? He said, through the writer, God is love. God is agape. God is agape. He is agape. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse, verse 1 through 8. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8. Though I speak with the tongue, tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, that word charity there is the same Greek word, agape. Okay, so you could you could just insert that word love or that word agape in there. I am become a sounding brass and a or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I may remove mountains, and have not charity or agape or that God love, I profiteth me nothing. And though I have the gift of prop. I'm sorry. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, very noteworthy if you do that. And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. All those things that I would do profiteth me nothing. Charity, agape, suffereth long and is kind. This is the same love that Paul's talking to Timothy about. And by extension, he's telling us. And envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself and is not puffed up. Sounds like a lot, whole lot of human characteristics, doesn't it? whole lot of it. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not his, her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hope, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. God's love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. You know, God gave, or you could say He offered His Son, and by extension, His love to all mankind. You know, that scripture in in John 3.16 says what? One of you Bible scholars. What's John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave. So he loved, and the world would say, well, God loves everybody. Right? And he does. He offers us his love. Right? If I don't receive it, his love, then it just sits there, right? If I'm going around doing my own thing and living in, living according to my own will and doing what, what I want to do and what makes me feel good and makes me happy in this world and I'm blinded by the enemy and I have no clue that God even loves me, is, does that love mean anything? Doesn't mean a thing. I have to receive His love. When I met that fine lady back there 36 years ago, she loved me, but I had to receive that love. And so did she. And we, what did we have to do? We had to return it. Reciprocate it, right? So we got to return that love to God. How do we do that? How do we do that? We become whatever it is He want us, would have us to be. And that's what He was telling Timothy. And, you know, Paul was reminding us, as well as Timothy, that there was a spirit of love that came from God when. When we received his spirit. There's there's a love of God that the Bible says we're supposed to shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So we're supposed to receive God's love in, but we have to can't just keep it to ourselves, can we? We've got to give it out. Give it away. You know, what did Jesus do? Look at the life of Jesus. He loved people. He loved people everywhere he went. He loved the leper. He loved the blind man. He loved the publicans. He loved the sinners. He loved anybody he came in contact with. And he he suffered many things over that. But he was, once again, Jesus was living the example of what we're supposed to do today. Because sometimes the person you see that God sends you to talk to, you might in your mind go, wait a minute. (laughs) This guy... Brother Richard, this guy don't look like somebody that, that I would want in my church. Well, it wasn't you that sent you there. You don't know what God's gonna do. They said the same thing about Paul, didn't they? Cause I believe, now it doesn't say this, but I just believe, cause they were praying. The church was a praying people. I just believe they were praying, God, take this man out. Right? If they were persecuting you, wouldn't you, just do whatever you gotta do to take him out. He's messing with our deal here. And God just, He honored their prayer. He just didn't do that part. Right? He said, No, I got a better plan. I'm going to knock him down. I'm going to blind him for three days because I got a plan for him. And so the one that we think is the least likely to succeed, you know how they had that in high school the least, most likely to succeed, least likely. And even Ananias, when it was time for Ananias to go, he's like, like you have to remind God of stuff. Like, God, that's that guy, you remember? The one that's persecuting us. And and God said, that's okay. I got a plan for him. You just go do what I told you to do. You don't worry about the rest of it. And so we have to love like Jesus loved. Jesus went to the ones. He purposely did that. I just, I don't know. It's just me. I believe that he almost purposely did that just to aggravate the scribes and Pharisees. <laughs> really? I mean, really? He was human. He was flesh. He was doing what his father said, but that just, just drove a nail, right? Just, it just, just like sticking somebody in their side, right? It just really just went against everything the Jews believed. Right? But what was Jesus saying? We can't do this our way. In our intellect, in our human mind, we got to do this God's way. I'm just doing what the Father's telling me to do. If he told me to go see the blind man, I'm going to go see the blind man. If he told me to go touch the leper, I'm going to go touch the leper. I'm going to do what God told me to do. And what did he tell him to do? He told him to love him. That's what he did. He showed forth his love. And that's what Timothy was going to have to do. Paul was handing the reins over to Timothy for Ephesus. And beyond Ephesus. And Paul knew that human nature, Timothy was going to run into some people that were just not going to be very wanting to get along very well. You know, there was, you know, we read these letters in the New Testament and they were all letters to churches that were having problems with people, right? And so Paul's just encouraging Timothy, you're going to run into some stuff, but you got to remember these things. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. You gotta love people, Timothy. You gotta love people. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access unto, by faith unto His grace. Whose grace? God's grace. Not, not, you know, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God, and not, not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations work with patience, and patience experience and experience hope, and hope maketh not a shame, because the love, the agape of God, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which was given unto us. Right? that that word shed abroad there is is uh, in the complete word study bible dictionary is it means it says metaphorically to pour out or to give generously we got we receive it he pours it into us rivers of living water what do we have to do with that we got to pour it out we got to give it away there's there's so much love of god that's that's waiting to come out of us if we'll just release it i sister linda i can't i'm not capable of loving People without God's love, really. I might say I can, but there's going to be something about people that's just not going to sit right with me, and I'm not—I just not—I'm going to find it hard to love them, right? But if if I just let the love of God flow through me, just like Jesus, He had to look beyond our faults. He had to look beyond the circumstance with the woman at the well. He had to look beyond the 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 fact that that woman with the issue of blood was touching His He had to look beyond the fact that the woman at the well had had five husbands. He looked beyond all that. The woman that was caught in the act of adultery, he looked beyond all that. He let the love of God flow through him. And what did he end up saying to that woman when when all her accusers were gone? He was loving her, and he said, where are thine accusers? Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He didn't say she didn't sin. He just said, where's your accusers? I'm going to show you love, and I'm going to show you a way that you can move beyond this. Right? Thank God he did that in our life. Thank God that he didn't strike us with lightning, because that's what we want him to do sometimes with some people. Like, Paul, just take them out. Get them out of the way, God. (laughs) Aren't they God's creation? I don't care how bad they've been. I don't care how many drugs they've done. I don't care what they've done in their life. I don't care how many times they've prostituted themselves. They are a creature created by God. And that person has a soul. And that soul is going to spend eternity somewhere. And if we are if we are the vehicle and the vessel that God wants to use to love them, Enough that God can work, that God can put them on our, our hearts, that we can pray the blindness off of them so that they can see their need for salvation, so that they can get out of that mess. I mean, I don't have to tell you, all of you in this room probably heard testimony after testimony of people that used to be on drugs and in prison. And I mean, we have a district official here in our own district that spent some years in prison. He did. But... The amazing thing is that God gave, had somebody give him a exploring God's Word Bible study, the adult, the the, the the teacher's version. So what did this man do in those years that he was in prison? He studied that thing, he memorized it from front to back, and it's it saved him. God can use anybody if they'll just make themselves available, and He doesn't just want to use us to do the obvious stuff like preach and teach and he wants to use us behind the scenes to just love people, to just love people. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Is this all right this morning? Amen. So God's love is not just received and kept to ourselves, but, but it is to be selflessly poured out and without regard to circumstance or situation. That love that Jesus had for us was what? Unconditional. No condition. Jesus lived his adult life, as I've already said, with, in the, he exampled this before us, this unconditional love. Timothy, as an elder of the church in Ephesus, is being reminded that as they spread the good news of the gospel, that he's going to, you know, Timothy's not going to always be in charge. Because Timothy's just naturally going to grow old. And so what does Timothy have to do? Timothy has to raise up other people. And train them how to be disciples. And train them how to love like Jesus loved. And then they're going to have to win people. And then they're going to have to train their people that they want how to love God and how to win people. And and, and the process has to continue. Thank God it did, right? Because there was somebody in my life and in your life that that when you came along and you didn't know truth, that you sat down your, your rear end in a seat somewhere and some preacher preached this message to you. And thank God somebody sent somebody there. I thank God, son. God sent that man to Okinawa, Japan, to sit there and preach to me this message. I'm thank God that he listened to God and not his detractors that said, "Ah, you shouldn't go there." He went anyway. Thank God he went. He was there for me. Hallelujah. James two eight. James two eight. We're going to go through verse 13, maybe. If you fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. You're doing good. But if you have respect of persons, you commit sin and are what? convinced or convicted of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that saith, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit not adultery, but if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. Can we kill with our words? With our actions? Can we kill somebody's spirit? Right? So speak ye, and so do ye, and so do As they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment. This is a really, if you ever want to memorize a scripture, this is a really good one to memorize. For he, who's he? Who's the he here? God. Shall have judgment without mercy. Judgment without mercy. Think about that. That has showed no mercy. Is that me and you? That's us. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. God will have judgment without mercy on him who has showed no mercy. It behooves us to show mercy, to show grace, to show love to people. Because, honestly, we don't know where they've been. You might have done some of the things they did, but you really haven't walked in their shoes. Until you have walked in their shoes, you really don't know why they got to where they got, and all of that doesn't matter. What matters is God sent you to love them, and that's all you're supposed to do. And I can tell you there was multiple testimonies in that church in Okinawa when when people stood up to testify and said it was the love that I felt that really drew me in here, and they used words to that effect. And it just it at first it didn't dawn on me, but after hearing it several times, it was like, Wow, it wasn't the preaching, it wasn't the music, it wasn't anything else. It was the love. The love we were shedding abroad. We were being taught to do that. Right? Because there's some unlovable people out there. I'll admit that. Right? Somebody just chuckled. <laughs> think of think of bosses. Think of people you work with. <laughs> Family members. Just Just imagine. There's some people you just... Don't feel like loving sometimes. Right? You love them, but you just want to just go have an intervention with them or something. right? Just... Anyway, we got to shed his love. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. That's what he's telling us. Uh, last scripture this morning, Jude chapter, or, well, Jude, verse 20 through 23. Jude, verse 20 through 23. But ye... Everybody say, that's me. Beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. It's it's important to pray in the Holy Ghost, isn't it? Amen. That's how we know what God is desiring for us to do. That's how I know. I don't know about you. Keep yourselves in the love of God. That agape, that word agape again. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some, so the first part of that, 20 and 21, is about us. Keep keep the love of God in your life. Keep yourselves in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Ghost. This is about us. And then verse 22 says, and, and of some, I looked up that word some, and, and one verse, uh, one, doc, one document or one book that I read, it said that some is referring to people outside the church. On some. Some, some sinner out there, some outsider that doesn't know this truth, that hasn't received this, this gift that we have. That's what it's talking about. On some have compassion making a difference. You remember when somebody came into your life and they made a difference? Something they said, something that the love that you felt from them, it made a difference. And you, you went home saying to yourself, Man, there's something different about that person. There's something different about that church. There's something different about what they what I felt in that building. There's something different. And that's what he's telling us, making a difference. He's talking to the church. And he said, and on others and others saved with fear or with reverence, pulling them out of the fire. What fire? What fire is he talking about? The fires of hell. That is a place that was created for the devil and his angels, not for people, not for souls. Pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You gotta you gotta keep yourself. You gotta hate their garment spotted by the flesh, but you gotta you gotta watch and keep your walk with God right too. Amen. And you know we have to ask ourselves, I guess, in prayer, God, am I loving people the way You want me to love people? Am I doing what You told Timothy? Or am I just reading that and applying it to Timothy, and that doesn't apply to me, right? But we got to love. We got to have a, a spirit of fear, fearlessness. We got to have that spirit of power. They got to feel there's something different. They got to know that when they walk into a building like this, or even online. I've I've felt the anointing of God through a, an online message on Facebook, or on, on YouTube, or listening to it on a tape. I know that goes way back, but but I you know anointing it it wasn't on the tape, but it was in in the anointed word, the the Rhema that God gave that individual to speak. And some of that anointed preaching sticks in here to this day. Because God knows I needed that. Amen. And so we got to we got to operate in that power. We got to operate in that fearlessness. And we got to operate in that love. And next week we're going to talk about What's the last one? A sound mind. And it kind of all rolls them all into one. Amen.